just before we talk to uh, John Bonfilio in uh, Mexico, well done to uh, Rob Grimwood, who's uh, got a suggestion for our dentist film club. He's come up with Mo-la-la-la-land. Very good. <laughs> very good, Rob. Uh, now, let's talk to uh, John. John, a very good evening to you. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Martin. How are you? I'm fine. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good, good. Now let's uh, let's we're, we're uh, pretty busy tonight with uh, with adverts and stuff. So let's uh, start with Ayrton Senna because I already trailed that. Um, how much of a legend in Latin America, and well, obviously in Brazil, uh, is uh, Ayrton Senna? How much of a legend does he remain? Because I know he died in 1994. Is he one of these people a bit like James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, died young and sort of got legendary status largely because of that? Yeah, like all of those people, and also Jesus is, is yeah. like it may seem like a stupid thing for me to say, but actually, um, I'm very similar in the sense that you know people who who die young and are seen as kind of martyrs to a particular particular cause. And Ethan Senna was highly Catholic, um, very much wore that on his sleeve and so on, and and definitely in a Brazilian context, he's seen and very much in a Brazilian in a particular kind of Brazilian socio-economic context because he came from from wealth and did really well in an in an international. Uh, context, but also if you, if, you know, if you were to ask people across Latin America for, you know, their sporting icons, uh, for sure, Ayrton Senna would, would come up close to the top and not just be, I mean, partly, you know, maybe he isn't as contemporaneously famous as a, you know, as a Schumacher or as a, um, or as a Hamilton kind of figure in, in the sport, but, um, but the way that he, he wore himself, his, you know, his handsomeness, his sex appeal, uh, the way he won races. I mean, he was, you know, essentially, he never, he never really seemed to win races from the front. He seemed to win races from 13th position. And that always got, you know, he was everybody's favorite in that context. He was seen as the, as the driver's driver and everybody's favorite. So when you, as you say, when he came to, to die in 1994, um, a day after Ro Roland Ratzenberger at Imola in, you know, one of the worst races in contemporary history mm. also died. Everybody was, you know, it was definitely one of those I was there moments where you see the crash happen and you think, no, surely it's Ed and Senna. Surely he's going to be okay. And then you see the blood. Um, and then you realize he's not going to be okay. And it's a, it's a seminal moment if, in, in everybody's lives. Not just, and, and there's a death component. And then also the rival, the rivalry with, with Alan Prost that preceded it was one of the, the major sporting stories internationally in the late 80s and early 90s in terms of what kept people wrapped to their TV screens. And in a UK context, Formula One was on everybody's, you know, was on BBC. Mm on a Sunday afternoon. So the nation was watching this stuff as it happened. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's made a, a brilliant uh, a feature film documentary uh, in recent years as well. And, and one assumes that he also got a lot of kudos out of the amount of money that he contributed to the poor in in Brazil. I know he, uh, after his death, he was discovered to have made a lot of secret donations. Exactly, absolutely, and that was that's one of the things which has won him even more kudos. Is he never shouted about it, you know, during his life? It's not as though there were um, very public or high-profile donations and charities that he set up. He very much set them up on the QT on the side and was donating significant amounts of his of, of his wealth to the poor and underprivileged. And this only came out, you know, after his death, and that has made him even more of a kind of a hero figure 
locally for sure in in a in a Latin American context in which whenever whenever normally anybody does something you know beneficial to society the most important thing is the is a photograph on it on the front on the front cover of a newspaper mm. not the way with Ayrton Senna at all Absolutely not. Now, let's look at one or two of the other stories um, in uh, Latin America at the moment. Tell me about this uh, ship that uh, archaeologists have identified in Mexico that uh, carried the Mayan people uh, into virtual slavery in the 1850s. It's, a, it's quite, you know, from an archaeological point of view, quite an important discovery, isn't it? Yeah, very much so, because essentially it confirms what everybody knew, but nobody really had evidence to, to demonstrate, which is the fact that slavery... Um, took place across the entire region and wasn't just um, something which took place in terms of, you know, an African movement of people, but that essentially um, happened across indigenous communities right across the Americas as well. Essentially, this ship, La Union, was discovered in 2017 and was thought to be another ship for, for quite a long time, but, but as um, a government organisation um, gradually cross-referenced documents, they realised, in fact, it was a, a slave ship called La Union, which which sunk, its, its boilers were, were set on fire, which, which was, I mean, it's been referred to in, in the international media as being a slave ship. Essentially, it was a ship which transported stuff between the Yucatan Peninsula and Cuba, which may seem to be a long, you know, uh, way away from each other, but actually it was only 150 miles, you know, point to point. So essentially, you know, if you're looking at, at it in terms of transport of the time, maybe a day and a half's journey, so a major commerce uh, points of commerce between the two, passengers being taken, commerce being taken, but also in and amongst that, slaves, indigenous slaves uh, who had been imprisoned as part of the caste war and insurgency in the in the late 19th century by the indigenous community, the Mayan indigenous communities of the of the Yucatan Peninsula. Essentially, the defeated were were taken and sold, even though it was illegal for that for that to happen. These ships were still doing contraband in slaves and taking them over to to Cuba to be to be sold. Um, over there. So really interesting in that, in that this is the first real archaeological verification of what historians have known all along and really gives, gives truth to the fact that, that slavery was endemic right across the region and it wasn't just something which happened amongst black-skinned mm. people but happened right across um, people who had any colour to their skin whatsoever. Yeah, so a little bit like us, you know, uh, re-examining uh, history uh, and eventually one assumes that this will be uh, put into context. Just one final thing, um, uh, John. Uh, the UN, uh, as, or investigators from the UN are saying that Venezuela's government has, uh, quotes, committed egregious violations amounting to crimes against humanity, a, a very serious accusation. It is. Uh, I mean, you know, we've spoken about this before. It, it's no great surprise that this UN report, you know, has d documented human rights abuses, which speak of systematic violence since 2014, essentially since the Maduro regime came into power, aimed at suppressing opposition and essentially terrorizing the public. Uh, I mean, is this stuff happening in Venezuela? Has it been happening? Absolutely. You know, it, it's no great surprise that this has been documented. The defense from the regime would be uh, would be to say, that essentially, um, that it's not them that's doing it, that it's essentially, that the report is actually a foreign orchestrated, a US orchestrated uh, report, which is intent on destabilizing the, the regime. Is there some truth to that as well? Absolutely, there is. The three investigators are um, uh, from Chile and, and, and the UK, uh, which all, all have a vested interest in trying to bring 
you know, the Venezuelan regime down. It, not, it, nothing new in this report that we didn't already know that moves the situation in Venezuela forward in any, in any way, shape or form. It just continues to entrench division and opposition. And as you and I have spoken about many times before, the person who suffers most in this is, you know, the Venezuelan on the streets of, of Caracas or Maracaibo, who still sees no light at the end of this long, dim uh, tunnel. It is. It's grim. Um, John, thank you ever so much. We'll talk about Easter Island next week. Um, but with a lot of adverts this morning. Uh, John, thank you ever so much for joining us. Take care. Good man. Uh, John Bonfilio there joining us from uh, Mexico. Um,